and oh shit. Ah yeah. <laughs> and welcome back to the Comic Corner. I'm your host, Team Up. And as usual, I'm here with my co-host, Dad. And we're talking about Frankenstein and the Agents of Shade this week. Uh, cause it's fucking October and Halloween and bullshit. What's up, Dad? How you doing this week? Uh, doing good. Doing good. Right, ready to uh, you know find find and stab a babysitter. Maybe open the Lemarchand device. It's it's October. Why not get spooky? Exactly. You opened the box. We came. I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. Uh, a- angels to some and demons to others. That's just how it is. That's the world we live in. Uh, have you read anything cool this week? I read, you know, I read a couple of things. Following, keeping up with, of course, the madness going on with X Men as there's about to be a huge war breaking out between like uh, an army led by Apocalypse's original four horsemen and his wife against like Krakoa, and they're about to have like this crazy duel w- involving. Uh, it's going to be like, you know, uh, you know, like trial by combat. You got to get your champions together. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be 10 from Krakoa from like the X-Men and then 10 from Arako, which is the other half of Krakoa. That's it's a whole thing. Yeah, well it's just Krakoa what backwards. Right? No, Arako is definitely not Krakoa backwards, but Oh, well, or, I heard it, I you know. Yeah, cuz it's like Krakoa the, it was once it was once one continent that was I think called Okara and then it split into Krakoa and Arako after uh, uh, Apocalypse was like, yo, we got to cut this shit off because there's demons coming. And he I left, he left the horseman and his that. wife there. And, uh, you know, it didn't go well. Well, I remember reading about that, not reading that actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, like, I, Apocalypse just got his ass kicked, that's, which you don't see too often. No, I did see something about the Swords of X stuff that's coming. Yeah. And how it's going to be dope as hell. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. So, The uh, only ex- exposure to the mutants that I have is through the Fantastic Four comics. And uh, it's like not even close to the same thing. No, no. X-Men's doing something wildly different right now. I dig it because it's just so like... It's talking about the other world and I don't know how like... The the mystical multiverse within the universe, like it's fucking crazy. I love it. And Apocalypse is like the fucking lead, so I'm thrilled by that because I love Apocalypse. Maybe one day I'll get into it. You know, it's it might not be for everybody. Like hardcore fans, probably not going to be thrilled with it because there is also like they also inject that cool like throwback to like the 60s and 70s with all the free love and mm-hmm. such. Yeah. Because everyone's just having orgies. Well, like Cable's dating all of the uh, the cuckoos. Makes sense. All of them. Uh, what did I see? Uh, the Richards kid, Franklin, he got his ear pierced. See, dude, Krakow brings out the crazy in you. Right? Uh, and then there was the whole uh, fact that Iceman is the official first replacement member of the Fantastic Four because Johnny Storm threw a little girly fit and just like threw a hissy fit and disappeared and then Iceman happened to show up. I don't know, man. The newest issue of... If you want something to like make you feel good and warm inside, read the newest issue of Fantastic Four. I believe it's issue 24. It's all about how Iceman was the first person to like work with the Fantastic Four after one of their members couldn't be there. Interesting. It's very heartwarming. It's even done in like a very old school style. There's a like uh like Iceman has a round head. Well, not even that. Like he he's well, he's wearing the boots. All right. Like from the old school, like when it was Beast, Iceman, uh Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Professor X. Yeah, like Marvel Girl and Human yeah. Beast. We're, yeah, we're the ori- yeah, the original like he's wearing like pirate boots that are blue and gold uh and they're just like yeah we have the safety on the combat room because you're just a kid and then he gets he's like turn him off i'm a man i'm an ex-man not an ex-boy and then he gets his ass kicked it disappears it's it's a good read like i said uh i haven't i didn't read metal yet this week which makes me sad metal was interesting 
I haven't tucked into that one. Um, oh, there was one. Fuck, where's the thing? There was something other than Fantastic Four that I was thinking of that I had just that I had tucked into earlier in the week. Oh, fuck. Sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, right? Hold oh, on. I read, I caught up on uh, Doctor Doom. The newest issue finally came out. Ooh. Yeah. Him and Kang the Conqueror finally stopped hanging out. And he's, uh, he's, he's taken back Latveria. I was always so confused by that. Well, there was, um, there was like a coup. Somebody set off like somebody opened a black hole in this space station called the Antleon and it was, you know, framed, Doom was framed for it. So he was like overthrown. The, this other family took over Latveria or uh, it was the like ruling family from a neighboring country like invaded and took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the UN came in and shit. So they somehow like Kang the Conqueror was just stuck in this like temporal flux. So he would just pop like in and out. And then it turned into a Kang and Doom road trip. Interesting. And they, yeah, it was where they just like like shot the shit with each other, and it was once again alluded to the fact that like Kang is might be Doom's like is a descendant of Doom as opposed to Reed. He's a Richard, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, yeah, it's who knows what's gonna happen because he's Nathaniel Richards, right? Right, but now the insinuation is that he's actually related to Doom, and he's not, unless somewhere down the line, you know. The, the Von Dooms and the Richards has got together. Yeah. Which I'm yeah. sure is possible. Because there's not even like a solid timeline of like how descent. I'm sure, honestly, I'm sure it's been established, quote unquote, but whether it's been stuck to or reestablished more than once, because I, I don't know a whole ton about it. Well, it was, I mean, actually, huge, huge news just involving Kang anyway. But, yeah. um, no, from from what I understand, like Kang first showed up as like a he was just you know Nathaniel Richards, and it was like oh Richards, that's funny. I wonder if he is, and they never really said anything about it. And when he first showed up, he was Iron Lad. Well, yeah, when he shows up as like in the Young Avengers as yep. a, as a child version, He's a of good him. guy. Yeah, and then he goes back in time. He becomes a Pharaoh, Ramatut, and then you know that whole it's what happens when you become a Pharaoh. There's that megalomania kicks in. And then he absolute went to the future. Power corrupts absolutely. And then it's like he went to the future, and like conquered all of them, or so, I don't know. It's yeah. it's a wild a history. Yeah, like semi astro bullshit. Uh, what, so what I was gonna say was what I read this week was that I thought was kind of cool was the waking hours dreaming. It's part of the Sandman universe. From, gotcha. Uh, and that was I sent it to you earlier in the week uh, with the Illuminati Shakespeare picture. That, I was wondering where that came from. Yeah, so uh, let's put it this way. One of the main characters is stuck in a multiverse of Shakespeare's. So mm-hmm. it's like every theory about who Shakespeare might have been is like contained in this one house, like one house in a gardened area. And it's like, there's a, you know, the theory how Shakespeare's like five different people and all five of those people are there. And then there's like one where it's like, uh, Sheik Zafir misspelled as Shakespeare. Gotcha. And it's like, it's just, it's like, and again, Illuminati Shakespeare who, you know, figured out and wrote the code of the tree of life into his works so that it could not be uncovered one day. So it's like, uh, it's like an American gods, all the different interpretations. Yes, but uh, it's the dream. It's a it's a Sandman thing, so it's it's much larger. And just one character is stuck there through some like nightmare, ended up in the real world kind of stuff. It's weird. I like Sandman stuff. Single issues make almost no sense ever. With the Sandman universe, you got to read like five issues before anything even begins to make sense. But that's also kind of Neil Gaiman's shtick. Just like hit the ground run and we'll figure it out as we go along, I promise. But do you let's let's get down to business. Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, Jeff Laramie for the first ten issues. Jeff Lemire. Lemire, sorry. Jeff we, Lemire. We know we know Jeff Lemire. For the first ten issues, which were good, and then 
there was issue zero and then the last six issues what i mean let's let's get your let's get your first thoughts on it before the, i before the I last six issues no, no no just like the whole series 16 issues or 17 issues because it was one through 12 issue zero and then 13 through 16 i don't know if i read zero or if i remember uh, yeah, uh, let me check So Zero was kind of like an origin story for the for, for like Doctor Frankenstein, and like why he's evil and why oh yeah the happened. the Soul Grinder yeah where it shows like that he had basically a generator that ran on souls, human souls. Yeah, it was an interesting take on the Frankenstein story. Yeah. Uh, in all right. In general, I will say that this entire series is one of the most interesting takes on the Frankenstein mythos ever. It's like all the cool parts of the Van Helsing movie from like 2007 or, or even early. I don't remember. The Hugh Jackman one without yeah. all of like the bad CGI and also like early Nick Fury comics just like jammed into its mouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially about like the fucking Nazis and. At one point, I'm pretty sure it's like Frankenstein personally kills Hitler. Uh, I think in one of the stories, yeah. Yeah, or that's my, it might be in his like pre-New 52 yeah, uh, history. The, so, because the pre-New 52 Frankenstein is Grant Morrison just getting fucking wild. I'm so, I mean, you know me. I love like space dolphins and all of that like I'm using that as the metaphor of just like wild comic book shit. That like, I was gonna say is the first thing you're really making like a Lobo reference here. Well, because that's what I, like when I when I think like the most comic outlandish books. comic book stuff, Space Dolphins always pops up as one of those top things. Where you're just like, yes, that is some outlandish. Like lean into the fact that this is a like escapism. Like there's no other escape. Like genre of like everything you do doesn't matter at all. It's kind of familiar, but also totally different. Yeah. And so, like, I loved this series for that. But at the same time, I could definitely tell at certain points that this series was more of an afterthought to other things that were going on in the New 52. Because the New 52's whole shtick when it first started was was like the interconnectivity of all of the books. Yeah. So all 52 books were working together to create one large cohesive story, which is cool in theory, but in practice gets kind of confusing unless you are reading all 52, which, fun fact, I read every issue of every series that came out during the New 52 era. I made it a point to do that at, at a certain point in my life. It, was, it took me months, probably took me over a year, but it was really cool, and that's how I know about cool series like this, or I Vampire was another cool one from around this time. The OMAC series that crosses over with this one was kind of trash. Uh, the Ant Man or the Animal Man and the Swamp Thing Rot World that runs into this was very, very good. But this whole series was uh, kind of hot and cold, you know? At least in my my views. Sorry, I was just kind of caught up running, uh, reading the rest of them. Yeah, it was like the the first couple of runs, like involving uh, the search or his son. That storyline was great. I would say the first two and a half storylines were really good because it was the the War of the Monsters, which was the where they go to the other dimension, and they like to the like the planet that at the bottom of the lake. Yeah. Like yeah, at the bottom of the ocean. No, it was the oh, it was like a lake in Germany or something. It was a it was a portal at the bottom of a lake that they. But when they emerged, it was they like emerged in an ocean or something. Yeah, because then he fell through without the jetpack and yeah, which like that. Uh, I love that it was powered by white hole technology because of course if there's a black hole, there's got to oh, be a white hole. Oh right? no, we're talking. All right, so we're talking two different. So there, so oh, excuse right. me, there are three because I'm talking the first one. Where they go to that planet full of monsters and kill them all with the Titans. 
Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, And then they go to... And then there's the issue about the son, or the storyline about his son. And then there's the one where they go with the jetpacks through the white hole stuff. That was the one... I think that's when Matt Kent took over. And that's when it started kind of... Uh, that, that was hard to follow. Hmm. Because was, was that the one with, like, the secret of the devil's ring? Yeah. Or yeah. Satan's ring, sorry. Yeah, and then it ends up him leaving that and going to the Leviathan in the bottom of the ocean. Yep. Um, which then leads to the, the Rot World stuff, where he just, like, traverses the Earth, the, the post-apocalyptic Earth on a horse. And oh, like yeah. with his army of Frankenstein's. Yeah. So yeah, that eventually is the army. So I do want to say this. One of the coolest running jokes in this whole series is the fact that he walks everywhere. And he'll walk at the bottom of the ocean <laughs> if he has to. He does not he just straight walks in a straight line from point A to point B. Like it's it's brought up a few times and I don't know if it's intentionally a joke or just a running theme or what, but it's always, it always like kind of makes me giggle every time they talk about it. Yeah. There's like the montage of him and Velcoro and Velcoro just talks the entire time, which the creature commandos like great. What, what an invention. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't think you did, uh, but the, st- like the Frankenstein series from flashpoint, explains like who all of these characters are and their backstories a little bit and i'm sure they're technically supposed to be different in the new 52 universe but it still gives you enough insight where you're just like that's wicked funny that velcaro is because he's like basically he was in the army and he he was a fighter pilot and he like defected to the nazis and then got busted, and then they were, and then he's like, "No, no, no! I was a triple agent the whole time. I swear." And they're like, "All right, well, we're gonna subject you to like horrific body mutilating experience uh, experiments, and if you live, then you get to be on our side, and we won't put you in jail. And if you die, then you die." And he's just like, oh, oh, "Okay, that's better than a firing line, I guess." Yeah, I mean that is, that is true. It's a better alternative, and he turned out pretty decent. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's definitely a better character in the New Fifty Two version of himself than he is pre New Fifty Two. But the whole Frankenstein mythos that uh, Laramie created was just basically taking this weird concept that Grant Morrison had had kind of run with a little bit in the Seven uh, Soldiers. And then take a bunch of characters from like a one-off issue of a '70s Strange Adventures issue and mash them together into what became the Agents of Shade. And like Shade does show up a little bit in Final Crisis. Like that's one of the times where Frankenstein shows up a bunch is Final Crisis. Yeah, doesn't he like? He's like the remaining. Uh... He's like the last fighter as everybody's trying to get through the portal to get away or something. Yeah, because cause... like the anti-life crisis, the anti-life thing doesn't affect him because he's dead. Yeah. So he's like the bane of Darkseid's existence. Of course. Every time Darkseid invades and Frankenstein shows up, it sucks because he can't do anything to him. Right. And Frankenstein is like, you know, he bleeds blue, uh, well, yeah, he's got wild regenerative regenerative powers. That's why my I think my favorite story of all of it was the last issue, and it was the it might have been the last two issues, but it's the dirty bomb, like with the plague terrorists. Oh, that's the last issue, yeah. And where he just like his whole plan is to blow himself up so he bleeds on the bad guys and yeah. the bomb because his blood is so like toxic to the virus that's in it you're just like what like what the fuck are you talking about like seriously yeah. i love like that is some outlandish com- and like the bookends in the way it's framed is like this guy telling his superiors why he could like why five years of detective work you're like they're not going to get any arrests 
And they're just like, maybe you should be committed. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was like you had to take some mandatory time. Yeah. You spent you you got too close to this one. I'm re- I'm recommending a leave of absence for you. We'll chalk it up to fatigue and we'll take the liberty of editing your report for you. We like you, Carl, but frankly, your report is insane. Oh, that was so good. Such a good a good chunk. Uh I mean so what were some of the things that you really liked? Like, what were some of the things that stood out to you in the series other than, you know, the storylines that, you know, kind of caught your attention? I don't know. I think they did – let's see. I think they did a really good job of – or, I mean, Lemire did a very good job of, like, really highlighting the anguish and, like, the pain that comes with the creature, with the monster. Because I'm not going to call him Frankenstein because he's that, – that's not his name. That's the name of his creator. Call him Frank. It, that's still I, I mean he even says it at one point yes says, Frankenstein's not my name yes yes and he's so Shakespearean I love it yeah well what's curious is that I thought well I was just thinking about this was he like at numerous points like anoints himself God's vengeance on earth mm-hmm. yet when you read the novel he's more he more identifies with like uh, Milton's concept of like Satan and more of like an adversary. So it's, so it's like, I, it's interesting. Yeah. I would say one of the best scenes is when he punches that old lady in the face and says, none are free of Frankenstein's vengeance, not even those of old age or whatever it is. It's like one of the first things he does in the whole series is like punches an old lady in the face and says, none uh, are safe from Frankenstein. I do not remember that at all. I'm going to go through issue one right now though. Yeah, it's like his. That's the way he uh, debuts in the in the in the shit. Dude, I don't know where you found that. He debuts coming out of a teleporter in issue one. I like very remember very specifically remember him punching some old lady in the face. I just googled Frankenstein punches old lady, and I don't see anything. Oh, I think it's. Oh, yeah, issue. it's in. It's issue two. Yeah, with uh, the woman. Yeah, the woman he finds with underneath the, um, with all the kids in the church. Yeah, uh, she's just an old woman. Frankenstein's vengeance does not, does discriminate, not discriminate on the basis, on the basis of, age. of age. Yeah, you filthy wah. Swap. Yeah, that was pretty good. Old woman, I can smell the years of deceit and deception on your breath. Oh, just the way that in like the way this is drawn or like is so like dirty but beautiful and like everything pops at the same time. It got a lot of comparison to, I mean, appropriately so. It got a lot of comparison to the animal Animal Man run. Yeah, yeah, it did. Some people in the comments not thrilled about that. Honestly, I like I understand why because. I'll be real with you. It looks like, again, it comes back to that premise where I keep saying, like, it seems like an, this whole series kind of seemed like an afterthought, a well-planned out and a well, you know, dealt with afterthought, but still it's one of those like, shit, I've got two days to write, to like draw 15 pages. Like, all right, I can do this. And this is what came out of it. And it came out great, but it still seems like, you know, the artist was like, fuck, I like spent so much time doing X that I'm not going to have enough time to do Y. Yeah, it does. It comes off as a little haphazard, but I kind of like it. No, I, I think it comes off that way in the best possible way. Yeah, exactly. But like, like it adds to the chaotic a, nature of it. Yeah, I don't think it's a negative necessarily, but I can see why they did the what they did. I'm trying to almost say like, I'm trying to almost explain, you know, uh, an influence that went into why it's like this as opposed to a reason why it's like this, you know? Mm-hmm. Also, the Belroy is one of the weirdest characters and I want to know more about him. He looks like the main character from Eraserhead. Yes. Yeah, he really does. That's what it is. Yep. I don't know what's going on there. And like the Father Time thing... So Father Time has been around in DC Comics for a while and the Father Time like skipping through the different 
body, the different host bodies is kind of funny to me. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, I, I was curious about that. Um, because it's the uh, in Final Crisis, he's the the big black guy with the bowler hat. And the uh, I think I've seen. I think it, I've it, seen frames of that. Yeah, it makes one appear. It makes like one or two appearances in the the comic, like a flashback. Yeah. But yeah, Belroy. It just says it's just he was just a create uh, someone who was created specifically for this show or for this series. Um, but yeah, the little girl is uh, I think the funniest thing because seeing her just like talk. Sh- it's it basically was like a Sergeant Rock just like talking shit the whole time. You might know Sergeant Rock because he's the guy who is technically narrating metal. Oh my god, he's awesome. He's like a torso. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he's great. Father Time reminds me of like it's as if you shoved the attitude of Sergeant Rock into the body of a little girl and that is Father Time. Yeah, that sounds about right. He's very willing to uh make sacrifices. Yeah, oh, it's always about the greater good. Right. And guess what? The greater good usually doesn't involve anyone. No. But Father Time's such a great character. I, I mean, in all the the creature commandos, it's definitely a huge, like, weird ripoff of some Marvel thoughts. But it's like, it's almost in the same vein of like the uh, Stan Lee when DC paid him to reimagine all their characters. So there is a DC series called Stan Stan Lee's Believer, I believe it's called. Uh, where he reimagines DC characters, like his version of the Green Lantern is basically like Human Torch, except with the power of the Earth. Interesting. It's uh, it's a very, it's it's very strange. Uh, Batman is like a a criminal or an ex-con trying to get like like save the the neighborhood kind of stuff it's weird it's kind of cool but uh it's that's kind of almost what this felt like in a, in a weird way it was a lot of like it's super close to like the old nick fury agent of shield comics from back in the day but like different yeah, it definitely is more um, fantastical, if you will. In that, that way, almost because it's still big guns and secret organization, secret spy organizations. Um, I was reading a review of this. Well, a was it? I, I don't know. A perspective of like this is what we expect the series to to be when it finally comes out because it was like a a look at all of the pre-50 new 52 series a look at all of the new 52 series before they debuted because it was such a big deal when dc did the new 52 that they people knew what the series were going to be forever all 52 numbered all 52 issues or series that were going to debut so they this group did a review of each of them of like what how they think they're going to be and Hopes were really high for Frankenstein. Like, hopes were super high. And they were just like, it's not a monster comic. It's not a superhero comic. It's not a spy comic. It's all of those things slammed into one with a poetic bastard for a lead. Yeah, and he got way more poetic in, like, the second half. Like, at one point, he was just quoting, like, Alexander Pope, just, like, running around. Yeah, oh, yeah, that issue. Yeah. Yeah. And then at one point, one of the villains yells, I hate Byron. And I don't think he actually quoted any Byron at any point. I went through and looked. I didn't see any I, Byron. Honestly, I thought the, the villain quoted Byron. That's why he killed him. Well, that's, that was why he said, I hate Byron. Oh, I didn't realize she was quoting. Because that was, um... oh my God, what the fuck was her name? Or she, there was a reference. I, I know the thing you're talking about. And there was either a reference to her being like, don't quote Byron. There was a reference to Byron, and it might not have been anyone actually quoting him, but 
one of those things where someone thought he liked Byron or something. What issue is that in? Because it's when they have the mole. Um, it's a little bit later in the series. It's probably like midway. You're not quite at zero, though. Because as far as I'm concerned, the series ended at issue, z- like, at issue zero. Like, zero was really good, and it was necessary to read. And it's actually kind of, I never realized that there was a, like, Frankenstein had, or Dr. Frankenstein had a wife who lived in the house. Well, yeah, that's also wrong, because, like, Frankenstein's wife was murdered on the night of their wedding. In, I was saying, in the book because i read the book like yeah. I, that that was one of the few classics that i actually took the time to read on my own and wasn't forced to read uh and i enjoyed it yeah it's fucking awesome yeah it's like a very good book and it doesn't read i mean it reads like an older book but not but also not at the same time in a weird way i guess that's why it's a timeless classic yeah yeah its themes are very relevant I guess I do have to ask you, what, do you, what are your thoughts on the fact that the bride has six arms? I'm so fucking confused by that. Like, what? I don't... Did I miss something? Like, when... she First of all, she wasn't even created in the book. She got torn apart in Scotland. But, like, when did... What's with the extra arms? Like, what's with the whole Shiva thing? So, there's... The New 52 doesn't really explain it. They're just kind of like, it's a thing. But I'm pretty sure that Morrison had it happen to her where, like, a supervillain added the extra arms to her and brainwashed her into thinking she was an assassin god. Interesting. And then when she broke, like, Frank broke the, like, the brainwashing on her and she was just like, well, this isn't inconvenient to have six arms. Yeah, I, I was very confused. Very confused by that. But it's one of those things that just kind of like brush under the rug and don't like kind of kind of push through it all. Or like don't even talk about even. Yeah. And then it's like it's an interesting... Um dynamic because even in the movies in like what the 40s they were not uh they didn't the bride and the creature didn't exactly get along no and i think that's actually one of my favorite parts of them is that like you can tell that the two characters want to get along so badly but they just can't well i mean you know he he shot their son in the head Uh, yes because like they show the reason for their split Right. Well, they show the. As far as I'm concerned, what they showed was the straw that broke the camel's back. Granted, it was a bundle of straws, but it was still the the moment that it's like the other lead ups to it, where I'm sure were very tense. There was, you know, but even in the same in that same breath, there's also these moments between those two characters that. They almost, it almost seems like they forget that that happened. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's comic books for you, though. Yeah, it's, it's inconsistent at worst. Where the fuck? I'm still just stuck on this reference. Oh, the Byron one? Oh, here we go. I and mean, like he shits on Freeverse. I forgot about that. Because she's like, she says a spell and she's like, oh, it's Freeverse. I hate rhyming. I was trying to set you on fire. And his response is, work on your rhyme and meter. Frankenstein does not kill the inept. <laughs> uh, honestly, I think that Frankenstein should be a character that should be around more. Yeah. Because he's a lot of fun. I just don't think anyone knows what to do with him. Well, I mean, you know, he is kind of tough to deal with. Because then you have to admit that, you, I don't know, all of literature is real, I guess? Yes and No. Like, Frankenstein wasn't in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, was he? You know, maybe they couldn't track him down. Well, they maybe they already burned him. That's valid. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He's, uh... I, I think he's a good character, and he should be around more. And every time he does show up in the comics, I'm very excited about it. Like, his most recent series that he was in, and he ran, like, uh... 
it was a six issue miniseries called Gotham City Monsters. And it was Frankenstein, Lady Clayface, uh, I Vampire, which is Andrew Bennett. Uh, Orca and Killer Croc. Yo, that is a serious test of my fucking DC nonsense knowledge, by the way. Yes, that that is a high-ranking... To be able to name all those fucking obscure characters. Uh, But yeah, and they face off against Malmuth, who's like a... like a multiversal devil it's yeah it's a wild thing and they even include a living theater at one point in the series and it's good and frankenstein's frankenstein and they're trying to save the world it's kind of cool to see him back in gotham because frankenstein the character did debut in action comics like the dc character of frankenstein started in a batman comic Interesting. Yeah, and then they like he was like a bad guy for Batman Detective Comics, and then later on, a couple years later, some artists and a writer were like, "Let's do some cool stuff with him," and they kind of made him more of like a, a character in the in the DC universe. And then uh, Grant Morrison is when they got he got a hold of him, and he fucking just ripped the cord like a goddamn Beyblade and just turned him into the most absurd character like he could in The Seven Soldiers and then Laramie just took it and ran with it. Like in that like super spy direction, which was awesome. Let's let's talk favorite characters. Who is who is your favorite character? I mean, you gotta go the creature. The creature and his bride, I think, would probably be one, too. All right, all right. I'm kind of bummed that Griffin didn't get more of a uh, of a shake, if you will. He was just kind of... Uh, there. He was very much a dog, and he was just trying to please Frank. Yeah, and, the, and Murkowski, which is the, the mermaid. Right. Uh, I forget her first. Nina. Nina yeah, Murkowski. Yes. Yeah. And her and Frank's thing was so that their romantic thing was kind of weird, but I get it because the bride hates him. Yeah. I don't know if she hates him, but like yeah. She hates she certainly hates uh Father Time. Oh yeah. With good reason. Good for her. You know, I gotta point out, I feel like you're in a recipe for disaster if you're trying to create a creature and you give it red eyes and sharp teeth. Like just throwing it out there. Almost always. You know, it just, I don't think that's going to end well. Never. Never will it end well. I am. Hmm. So I guess I'm going to cheat a bit. So for my third favorite character, I'm going to say it's the Frankenstein army. Oh, the, the entire army? The entire army that is the, like all these people who are just like, sure, I'll be a Frankenstein. I want to. Re- I like wish I could remember how they reset, like back to the status quo after that issue, like, after that storyline mm-hmm. with Animal Man and Swamp Thing. I really wish I could. I have a feeling it involved time travel of some sort, but it's so goofy and beautiful. The second one I'm going to say is. The steampunk pirate, like the steampunk Frankenstein pirates. Oh, yeah. Uh, Victor's crew. Like Victor's crew who had like grappling hooks for arms and shit. Like they were pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, that was pretty wild. I like that. Like they turned Victor. Victor went from like a sad mama's boy to completely maniacal world conquering villain. I really wish that he was around more. Honestly, I wish that it was a 16, 17 issue series where he was the bad guy through the whole thing. Like, poor planning on their part. And uh, maybe not, but like, it would have been nice if this was a one long story where 
at the end of it, it's like Vic or you know Frank versus uh, Vic. Well, I mean that was like the end of what's that issue zero? I think that was issue. When he fucking fourteen. When he just clubs him in the head. Well, no, there's that when he's with the rot. But yeah, there's one yeah. he fights him in the Amazon and he just clubs him with the head with a rock and just like leaves him for dead. Yes. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's when that he was... like Victor's uh like torso's been replaced with machinery. It looks yeah. like it's fucking Part, weird. like some machinery and also rot magic. Well the rot didn't come along till later, but yeah. And then, I mean, Frank and the Bride are one as a pair. It sucks, but it's true. It is. And it's so cliche, but I will say, I just love those two armies in this. They were so goofy and so outlandish. Yeah, that was so absurd. Uh, do you want to do final thoughts or what do you got? Yeah, I mean, I found the Byron quote. Oh, okay, what, what's the Byron quote? So it's when I... Yeah, it's when he's speaking with what is it, Orphea? Who's Orphea? Uh, she's the the mole. So I'm sorry, Crowley. Oh, okay. The the mole inside of like Monster City. Yeah, the mole who's like, or sorry, who's familiar uh, with uh, Satan's she's, ring? She's like a triple quadruple agent. Yeah, it's like, it's 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 bizarre. Yeah. But uh, at one point he says, uh, and after all, what is lie? Tis but truth in the masquerade. Or tis, and after all, what is a lie? Tis but the truth in masquerade. It's a quote from Don Juan from Lord Byron, which I should know because like, I wrote too much about that guy. I was going to say, you should, you should have just had a sense about it and been able to just like put your hand on the, on the books and been like, oh, it's right there. Yeah, I mean, I should have. That's like Don Juan is the one I didn't spend a lot of time on, if I'm being honest. The one you didn't you didn't check out very much. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you all about Manfred and some of his poems, but not so much about Don Juan. All right, all right. Which one one could argue is a massive injustice. Makes sense. Makes sense. So uh, I guess you know what what are some final thoughts you got on this? Uh, it was fun, but like it's kind of it feels it it very it it feels throwaway, like you were saying. Yeah, afterthought. Yes. Afterthought. Not even not even throwaway, but like afterthought. Because it was definitely a passion. It definitely started as a, like, I really want to do this. And they're like, awesome, you want to do this? Also, we want to give you these. So can you make them all work together? And he was like, I wanted to do like something basic, but you just handed me like a major character. So I'm going to focus more of my attention on the major character and do the you know this other stuff on the side it's right. almost because they gave him animal man which is like a huge character in dc lore if you know like the wacky zany side because animal man was the was like deadpool before she hulk was deadpool i'm sorry like, what all right, so you know how Deadpool is his whole shtick is like breaking the fourth wall and being very self-aware that they're in a comic and yeah yeah so before Deadpool did that at Marvel, She-Hulk did that. Like the old She-Hulk comics are basically just Deadpool comics. Interesting. Uh, it's very, it's a very cool read. She's very goof, like zany, like I said, you know, fourth wall breaking all the time and stuff like that. But before her was Animal Man at DC who did that. And he was like... It was very because he's also like Animal and like an actor, like a an actor and a stuntman kind of bull like bullshit and like Animal was very weird. And then they killed him. There's literally I have it upstairs. It's a uh, the whole series was called the Death of Animal Man, and it was very good. It was like him losing his powers slowly, it, but then all of a sudden his powers got exponentially bigger, so he could reach out to and gain the powers of animals on any animal in the universe not just animals on the planet so like he was like picking up animal traits from aliens it was wild it was out of control it was very grant morrison but yeah so 
that was a really cool thing. And so like when they gave that to Laramie, it almost feels like uh, Frankenstein had to take the back seat to the bigger character, even though Laramie had been working on Frankenstein for longer because he worked on the Flashpoint Frankenstein miniseries before this series where he took on the full, the full blown ongoing. Right. But uh, yeah, that's a little bit about fourth wall breaking characters. <laughs> and now you have like Harley Quinn and her like stalker named Red Tool. Yeah, I've seen a little bit about that. It's kind of funny. There's a, there's, they often make jokes of like, why are you in this comic? Are we going to get sued? But uh, that's for a whole other day. Right. So uh, honestly, I will say my final thoughts on this. I liked it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It definitely at times felt like we said it's an a- it was an afterthought. Specifically after those first two storylines, it seems to be when it started to get kind of like I had a plan for this, and then I'll see what happens, and just nothing really happened. But that last issue might be one. Also, one might be one of my favorite issues. Right. So you know, it was uh, it was a good one. I, I enjoyed it. I will say now, thinking about this, go read the Threshing Place, which is the Immortal Hulk issue that came out today or yesterday, uh, rather. I was say I was looking for that. I hadn't seen it yet. I I just read it this afternoon. I think it just showed up somewhere. But also written by Jeff Lemire. Yep. And uh, it is very much like think about you know the most famous scene in the Frankenstein movie is him throwing the little girl into the river. Yeah. It's a weird, almost intro version of that. Cause like you see the Daisy, there's him interacting with a little girl, but he's kind of saving her. Lots of murder. Cause that's what it's like. It's the devil Hulk. Yeah. I was like, but, we were talking about this issue months ago. Well, it's, I mean, I think it's been delayed a bunch, but like it finally came out today. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's definitely uh, from, it's like a, you know, a prequel because the Devil Hulk is still in charge. Mm-hmm. But it's it's very good and it's like a fun. It's got some Frankenstein moments, not just based on the way his fucking skull looks. Yeah, not just the obvious ones. But yeah, it's a it's got some fun parallels. Cool man, this guy's he does he's so good, and sweet. I mean, Sweet Tooth's coming back. Is it? Yeah, they're gonna they're revamping and relaunching Sweet Tooth. Interesting. Just milking whatever they can, huh? I think it's more of like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, I want to do more of this. I'm like, okay, sure. Because it's going to be a black, it's going to be a DC black label thing too. Yeah. So all in all, we're agreed. So that was uh, Frankenstein in the Ages of Shade. We thought it was good. The father time thing was goofy. The creature himself was one of the best, like, obviously, because he's the leader of the series was a great part of it but arguably better than he should have been at the end of the day would you agree a better character yeah yeah i would have liked to see more connections to the novel but that's just me being a geek you know as far as like a comic book rendi- like he's better than the dracula from fucking marvel right i mean it doesn't take much to be better than the dracula from marvel yeah exactly so, you know, they killed it, <laughs> arguably. Uh, so uh, now that we're in full bloom of the this spooky season or whatever the white girls call it these days. Oh, we're in spooky season. I just call it Halloween, baby. 30 days, of, the 30 or the 49 days of Halloween because I just like Halloween. All right, so next time we're going to do Black Hole because uh, spooky season and it's a very spooky, it's a legitimate horror comic uh, and it is fucked up. Yeah. Suburban Seattle, the mid-1970s. We learn from the onset that a strange plague has descended upon the area's teenagers transmitted by sexual contact. The disease is manifested in any number of ways from the hideously grotesque to the subtle and concealable but once you've got it that's it there's no turning back yeah someone described it 
it's similar to, I guess, like It Follows. Yeah. Oh, there's more. Ads we inhabit the heads of several key characters. Some kids who have it, some don't. Some who are about to get it. What unfolds isn't the expected battle to fight the plague or bring frightened heightened awareness to it or even to treat it. What we, what we become witness to instead is a fascinating and eerie portrait of the nature of high school alienation itself. The savagery, the, cool, the cruelty, the relentless anxiety and annuity, the longing for escape, and then the murder start. As if not you know? as beautiful and as it is horrifying, Black Hole transcends its genre by deftly exploring a specific American cultural moment in flux and the kids who are caught up in it. Back when it wasn't exactly cool to be a hippie anymore, but Bowie was still just a little too weird. Uh, I, I mean, that... Uh, that... Oh, shit, I forgot what the word is for it. What? The, what, what is this called? The thing that I just read. Synopsis. Abstract. The abstract. Oh, the abstract. That, that's a good abstract. I'm excited for this one. This one's going to be cool. Uh, let's get down on some horror, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, who doesn't want to? Let's get weird with it. From now until whenever, we're just doing horror. Not really, but maybe. I mean, I'm always down with that. Of course, of course. Um, so yeah, that's next time. Uh, Black Hole will be back in like two weeks with that. And it's going to be rad as hell. So uh, until then, Dad, you got anything to say? Uh, yeah, I mean, wash your hands. You know, wear a mask. Don't be a dick. Yeah, I got the same. Wash your hands, wear a mask, register to vote. <laughs> that's a new one. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I'm just kind of adding to the list of you know things that you should do to be a fucking decent goddamn person in this world today yeah so that makes sense that's it all right well we're out of here uh thanks guys we'll catch you next time peace